Welcome to another episode of Hobby Night in Canada. I'm your host, Tom, and with me as always are... Dan, Mike, Steve. And unfortunately, today Ward cannot reach the microphone, so we will uh, not be hearing from him. We I think it's a, a height thing. We forgot a step stool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, because really, there's nothing else for this t- area of the topic, uh, Mike, what was your week like in Hobby? <laughs> uh, actually, I, I kind of hit a painter's block. I only got about seven things done today, this last couple of weeks. Week. Yeah, a couple of weeks. So what were they? Drop Zone. Surprise. You remember that game, right, Steve? Yeah, we have Drop Zone. We actually need to get some games in. Yeah. That's what we need to yeah, do. We, we do. So were you working on your Shaltari? Yes, working nice. on the Shaltari and hopefully have the rest done in a couple of weeks. So you were saying you only had really a gate, a couple of the uh, walkers, yep. and some infantry? In, no, no, infantry's all done. It's the, the, it's the anti, anti-air and the uh, fire drake. What was it? Was it Kukri's or you do? Yeah, Kukri's. Ah, okay, I gotcha. Yeah, cool. So little tiny guys, actually. Not a lot there to paint. Yeah, no, but you know what? There's so much detail. There's yeah. so much edge highlighting that it actually takes just as long as doing a normal one, I figure. All right, well. What did you do, Steve? I we were I was talking about this earlier. I I procured Jane's R. I, for a minute there, I was like, I put together Jane's R, and then I realized, nope, didn't do that. Thought about it. Didn't. <laughs> Wow. How about you guys? Dan? <laughs> I... No, I did something. Nice, I just nice was... deflection. <laughs> I like that. Dan? <laughs> I actually did some prep work for some 1285 scale uh, scenery. So I did all the, the resin bath, the cleanup, and the primer and stuff. And then it was like 32 degrees, and it was like, nope. 285. End of hobby. Right, is this like, are you so like into model m- trains now? Well, it's like six mil, so like Battletech scale and stuff. Oh, uh, that makes sense. Are you actually going to do, like, is this a thing that's happening? Like, is not a joke? I don't We're know gonna if I'm going to actually play some games? I don't know if I'm going to play the game, but I will have the things painted because they're awesome. And the scenery. And the rule set. Part of me just wants to have really cool buildings on my display cabinet shelf. With mechs <laughs> running around them. I don't know if I'll play the game because the game is hilarious, but... Questionable. Hilariously bad. <laughs> I am legitimately concerned as to what's wrong with you right now. <laughs> yeah. I don't have an answer to that. Well, I feel that this... The reason that Battletech appeals to Dan is that as long as I've known him, he's always liked building and painting models without any real serious intent to get an army done and never really liked playing games. And, <laughs> and Battletech... Has the ultimate trump to get out of playing games. The game sucks. Yes, like real bad, and nobody Absolutely. wants to play it. <laughs> yes, so, so he's got no opponents that are like, "Hey, Dan, let's play BattleTech," and actually calling him on this. Yeah, it's kind so, of pressure free, really. So I feel that if I picked up some BattleTech and mm. painted them, I'm like, "Hey, Dan, let's play some BattleTech." He might actually dial back a bit. Should we pick up some BattleTech just to, to get him to dial back? <laughs> just to that might work. just to make it a little more real, especially if we get the extra like really old shitty ones. I oh. really, I really want to see you guys paint the old, like '80s grade BattleTech to the highest standard you can. It would be so fun. <laughs> so Am I funny. hearing an August challenge? Yeah, <laughs> actually, yes. Ironic BattleTech BattleTech <laughs> challenge. It'll be the August BattleTech challenge. 
Because <laughs> I can't think. I think August is pretty open for most of us. Yep. Yep. So there'd be a decent amount of time to paint some battle tech. So what? An evening? <laughs> no, An evening. highest standard possible. Like, like this is going to be at least two evenings. Do you mean <laughs> a single like no like two hour session? <laughs> but I'm thinking we do like what would a force be in battle tech? Someone like three to six models. Six would be insane. You're probably looking at four or less. Like inner sphere lances. In inner sphere lance is four mechs, and if you're playing. A game with big max, you generally don't want all four because it'll take him approximately 80 years to finish. I feel like now, there the- is a variant of the game called Alpha Strike, which is insanely toned down so that you can actually play and finish games in reasonable amounts of time, which a lot no, of players... No, this sounds like bullshit. A lot of players do recommend it if you want to play faster-paced we called fun you. games, but... We're trying to change the subject. No, <laughs> I think we should play the original and suffer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just, like, glare at Dan the whole time. <laughs> Yeah. How do you feel about running intro games of Battletech? Is this a thing that you've <laughs> ever done before? I feel entirely qualified. Hobby Day in games. Canada. <laughs> we did an entire uh, segment in one episode on intro games, so I think there's some great content in there that you can take to heart and teach us uh, some Battletech. Yeah, just you, you shoot down an atlas on a 4+. Plus. When in doubt, 4+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, you, have, you have a tiny little pea shooter light? Yeah, 4+. Plus. You kill that heavy. It's cool. Okay, no big deal. Okay, so this is happening in August. We're gonna do some battle tech. I like this because yeah. it's only I'm gonna buy one model and then probably I'll buy six. Whatever. Wait, wait do I have battle tech? I have a battle tech ish model. It's on a hex base. Later that is on, battle tech. No, it's, it's, no, it's heavy gear, isn't it? Is it heavy gear? Oh yeah. Heavy gear? I we don't talk in, about heavy gear. I bought it in Spain when it was in grade nine because I was like, "What is this crazy thing?" And then I painted it, and never touched it again. Although, have you heard about this great games company called uh, DP Nine? No, <laughs> I have not. That's well, a bit of a ground zero joke. But. Oh, man. I'm, I'm feeling very out of the loop right now. <laughs> uh, let's not even get into that. I'll go, I built the Brewmaster crew. Not the Whiskey Golem, because that's going to be like a, a liter of whiskey and a week of my time to get that model done. But Well, you can't build the Whiskey Golem without drinking whiskey. I know. Especially because there's like 70 odd pieces on that one model. I feel like that's a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> you say disaster. I say amazing life choice. <laughs> that's going to be a good day. All right. I want to see what the model turns out like. Um, all right. Well, I think that's it. The good news is, is we all beat Ward. Well, Ward, we always Ward is not Ward. here to defend himself, so we all did more than him, and we can agree on that, right? Even but when he is here to defend himself? He didn't do anything. I purchased a... Oh, I didn't even purchase a model. I gave Ward some beer. <laughs> so, so, no, no, Ward he purchased. Just, he used a Ward different sold some hobby, so he's even with you. But he, that means he's hobbying less because he has less to hobby on. Or he's more likely to hobby what he has. Ooh, ooh, this is a, <laughs> this is a crisis right here. He's not here to defend himself. I did more than him. We're good. Okay. Uh, oh, all right. Moving on. Yeah, so shut up and take my money. Dan, I thought I think you have something to talk about. Get yeah, the there is uh, some new hassle-free miniatures coming out where they're <laughs> post-apocalyptic, totally not inspired by any recent George Miller movies. Um, <laughs> How dare you even say anything connecting those two things together? No, I'm specifically disconnecting those things for this does legal very reasons. an uncanny resemblance to uh, a female lead named Charlie's Theron, I think is correct. Strongly it's, disagree, but it's I Charlie's. <laughs> Charlize <laughs> Theron. Okay, good to know. Completely unrelated, yet I will be buying it. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Don't want to get anyone in trouble, so go <laughs> check it out. Uh, you can draw your own conclusions. Uh, Tom, 
Okay, so they did actually leak yet another Gremlin crew coming out from LFO. It'll be at uh, Gen Con this year. And it is the Wong crew. Did I talk about this last time? Or have I just told you guys about how there's the... Uh... I don't remember it. Okay. If we've already talked about this, you get it again. Yeah. Well, I remember talking to you guys about the fact that there is the Luchador Gremlin in this box. I think I you did. that. I think you did. I can't remember if it was on air. Either way, Luchador Gremlin, of course you're buying it. Yeah, and there's also the effigies are going to be coming out of Gen Con, so there's the Lucky effigy, which is like this weird puppety-looking gremlin on top of... It actually looks a lot like a Doom Wheel, but there's a pig on the inside driving it. I mm, don't know how I feel about that. It's funnier because it's rats in a wheel. Pigs don't go in wheels, usually. Guinea pig. Okay, I'll guinea pig. Okay, I'll give you that. that. (laughs) (laughs) If you paint it like a guinea pig. (laughs) Um, No. (laughs) How about you, Mike? Uh, I actually want to get some, a bunch of foreground um, buildings. Uh, I've seen them in person now, and they look even better than I thought they would. What scale? Uh, 10 millimeter. Going for the drop zone. Yeah. Very nice. A little expensive and a kind of a pain to put together, but well worth it. They're less of a pain to put together than you think. No, you haven't put together the skyscraper once. I, I, I disagree. I've already put together one. Trust oh, me. you've already done it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So it's exactly as difficult as you think it is. Yes, okay. I know exactly how difficult it is. All right, <laughs> apparently Mike knows more than me. Uh, yep, pretty much. <laughs> Steve? Um, I'm going to say the Windrider uh, box that comes with all the jet bikes and Viper. Way to be fucking Are you going to make a magnetically yeah. levitating version? Yeah, did you see that? It looks yeah, cool. I did. What? Is that a thing? Yeah. Somebody made one. It's got, like, electromagnets and this big, like, yeah. scenic base, and there's some heavily converted jet bike thing that, like, hovers in the center. Yeah. It's probably not the most applicable to playing with the model, but, but hey, you know, you know what? For, for your display board, that would, like... Cool. Yeah, I need some liquid nitrogen, some superconductors, and a battery, but it'd be it'd be fine. <laughs> I <laughs> feel like these are all practical. things you can get at Target. Oh wait, <laughs> Target. <laughs> Actually, I could, probably could get liquid nitrogen from work, but that would be about as far as that would go. I think. I don't know how to procure superconductors easily <laughs> from Superstore. Oh, that makes oh, sense. Oh, You're yeah, right. Yeah, well, perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's just a good deal. It's got all the jet bikes that I want. <laughs> Uh, I was gonna say uh, Age of Sigmar. What? But really, after kind of seeing it, I'm gonna wait. If if nothing else was models need head swaps. Yeah, they're very small. They actually look like they're almost moving into more of like a a true scale, but then the hands still aren't the right scale. They look kind of odd. They look almost like borderline Terminator style. Like bodies, but with tiny little heads. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. Like, I feel like there must be some sort of perspective because the the leaked photos are kind of like on a, a white dwarf page, so maybe the page is folded funny. I can hope, but yeah, I was gonna say Age of Sigmar, but with a four page rule book and those models, I'm gonna wait and see what actually happens. And I'm also a little bit pissed because apparently Skaven are now just beastmen. Which is weird. Yeah, we'll wait to actually <laughs> talk about that until it's not just rumors. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that was my shut up and take my money, but obviously, yeah. not right now. Okay, well, on the topic of shutting up and taking money, let's go into our first segment today. Where we're going to talk about your basing options for Malifaux. And we may as well start with what you can buy. And I guess we can translate this, not just Malifaux, but any of those games where it's more skirmish-based and um, ideally maybe even using those RS-style bases. Because it's potentially a little bit harder to pull out a detail into those RS bases than just the the beveled edge Citadel ones. Yeah. So, I guess we'll start it off and talk about the weird base inserts. 
from the company that makes Malifaux. So I guess for those of you that are 40K and fantasy players and aren't really sure what we're talking about, uh, if you've actually ever looked at a War Machine or Malifaux base, they're actually physically recessed uh, in the top section kind of thing. So Weird makes pewter, I believe, right? They are. Pewter uh, circles that just fit right into the base. Uh, Pretty uh, straightforward way of doing but- it. They're sculpted and they're they're scenic at the same time. They're yeah. not just a, like a little slug you slap in there. Yeah, they they definitely have some texture yeah. and some lots of texture. Too. Yeah, they've got like bricks and that kind of thing, and like just they're they're actually built up quite a bit. Well, the one thing that I would like to say about those is that prepare to spend almost as much time painting the base as you will paint the painting the model with some of those. Really, is that that much? Yeah, that much detail. Hmm, interesting. There is, and uh, I mean, to honestly, if you want it to look as good as your model, you're you need to put that kind of time into it. Yeah, as it makes well. sense. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's. I guess weird makes those. Does anybody else make those particular inserts? I don't. Actually, I haven't seen other insert companies. There's I, there's a couple companies out there that they do. There's one that does like I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but they do like the laser etched like MDF yeah, yeah, inserts. Yeah. So you can get kind of like a tile or stonework pattern. It doesn't really have the texture; it just has like a tile or a grid or something along yeah. those lines. So it's not a little quite bit more as nice as the pewter ones, to be honest. They're not, yeah. or they're different. They're not as um, yeah. All those laser etched MDF though are gonna they look less. too uh, static or uh, yeah. I don't know how else to put it. Well, either. at the end of the day, they're flat. Yeah, they don't have. They don't have the the texture in them that you would get from something sculpted or from sand or from bits out of your bits box mm-hmm. or whatever. It is a flat texture or something engraved on it, so it's going to be a little bit more limited. On the other hand, they are probably a lot cheaper. <laughs> yeah, you're looking for the weird ones between about twelve and fifteen bucks for five of the forty mil ins or five of the thirty mil inserts. I think it's about ten bucks for two of the forties and about seven for one of the fifties. Yes, that's correct. We should also mention though that one of the reasons the inserts are there is so you can also. If you opt to use the clear colored bases for their system as well, yeah, and these colors will donate your faction, and uh, it's 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 just a, a little bit more eye candy, I guess you could say. Not it's not everybody's thing, mind you, but if you're done properly, they look really sharp. Yeah, and while we're talking about it, it's worth mentioning what kind of options there are. They've got a, a Bayou set to go kind of with the Gremlins. They've got. Uh, I was just trying to look up which ones they were because I couldn't remember off the top of my head. They've got a <laughs> good thing, you know. Um, Victorian, Victorian, Wild West, Wild West. They've graveyard. got a really cool. Um, yeah, the graveyard ones are really cool. The orphanage bases are also really sweet. Yeah, and they have a dock workers one too. There's yeah, and one. they do have the sewer. The sewer. Yeah, sewer is my by far my favorite. I was actually looking at these. Uh, for my Tyranids, oddly enough, because I wanted hmm. to have that industrial pipe kind of thing. Yeah, and these were some of the best sort of like. Um, almost like a like for 40k where they have like that super technological yet really archaic look they actually yeah. work pretty well yep. so yeah. but they're they're just not obviously the right size so I didn't go with them well there's that <laughs> and they are they are pretty expensive so one of the reasons we can talk about this in the context of game like Malifaux or um, I guess you could maybe look into I don't know infinity is the wrong base size uh, yeah no, no they wouldn't work and even me. even war machine they're probably a little bit too expensive to do a whole army um, just because you are looking at like three bucks a base. Yeah, some of them are uh, pretty intense. Like the fifty millimeter ones are ten bucks. It was a ten, yeah, ten. That's the fifty millimeter. That's the big ones. Yeah, but that's that's high. And I mean, cool mini. Or not, I'm looking at the cool mini or not store for those. Or if we're interested, um, their price is usually a little higher than what you can get from the manufacturer. So be aware. Yep, but they are really great. Uh, the morgue bases. That's the other one I was thinking of. Where it's kind of got that tile. Oh yeah, for, uh, it really gives for, yeah. for me. It's a total Silent Hill vibe. Yeah, for those those bases. Oh, uh, did you guys mention the fire bases? 
Whoa. There's only one. There's only one. That's really cool. Anyways, sorry, I didn't know they had that. (laughs) No, it is really cool. Um, Other than that, you can get into any other resin company. So your secret weapon or micro art or and, and, and any of the other ones will do the the RS bases um, in the 30s, 40s, and 50 mils. So you can get any of those options if you want. But one of the things that you can do... One of the things we should also mention really quick, RS, rounded shoulder, I believe, right? Is that what I it is? So. Yeah. yeah. That's so anybody that's remember, trying to figure out what that is. But why don't we talk for a little bit about things you can do to actually make them yourself and maybe some tips or tricks you could try dealing with that round-lipped base to make your own base. Any ideas, guys? My go-to for anything that's kind of different and cool would be balsa wood. I've always liked thin balsa wood because it's easy to work with. You can cut it out almost with scissors, uh, and especially with um, the recessed lip on the round shoulder bases, you could literally just cut it out in a circle, dump it in, you're pretty much finished. Paint it, yep. done. Absolutely. Of course, there is uh, always sand and ballast that you can use for texturing, but... Uh, pretty limited. Yeah, pretty limited. But, I mean, it is it is always the option that you have. I like to use uh, ballast because it has different sizing into it. It's not consistently small grain. Yeah, have we actually ever talked about ballast versus sand, like what the the difference is? I don't believe so. I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, it's probably something we should mention real quick. So if you get like your GW sand, it's usually almost exactly uniform now. It yeah. used to be uh, a few different... Um, That's why I don't like it. It's too uniform. Yeah. In real life, it isn't uniform. There's there's oddities. There's different sizes. There's a rock sitting in the middle of the sand pit. It's... Yeah, you're not gonna have all one size. One of the things that's nice about the balsa wood too, if you're doing that like wooden floor texture, you can just throw some sand and patches over top of it. Yep. There, you've got a really custom base, really quick, yeah. very little effort. Um, now, one of the things I do want to mention, and this is why I was, I thought it was a great topic, separately from your beveled edge base. It's not as easy to just put balsa wood in those bases as it would be with a standard Games Workshop base. Really? Because I, I feel like it would be easier because balsa wood for me is always curled. So I've always thought if you could dump it into a recess and have a little bit more of a friction fit. Now, mind you, I rarely work with these round shoulder bases. And so you were talking to someone theory. who has an entire army of balsa wood into those bases. And it was not as easy, hey? Hell no. Interesting. Okay. Good well, to know. because you've you know. got to get the curve right or approximately like much closer before you're even How able to put it in. How thick was your balsa wood? Because I, f- I would use like the Super crazy thin. thin and cut it out with scissors. And it was still... I, I still use uh, paper uh, nail cutters, sorry. Oh, yeah, because you actually talked about this, where you had the, yeah. the nail cutters will actually give you the perfect curve almost. No. They'll oh. Give you close, <laughs> they'll give you closer. With uh, 20, I think it was 40 mil um, or 25 mil round bases, they're about right. It's, I think it was 40 mil. I used, the of, I used uh, nail cutters, nail clippers to um, trim plastic hard for 40 mil base ones, and you're right, it was very close to the correct curve. Hmm, interesting. Okay. But for something like 30, it would obviously be a tighter circle. The other thing... Two that should be worth mentioning is if you are doing something that you need to have fit well, a hole saw can actually do a pretty decent job of cutting a perfect circle, and you can get them in very, very uh, fine increments. So if you're doing a lot of these bases in a very particular size, investing in a hole saw if you're using balsa wood or that kind of thing is not a bad idea. Um, also, if you're going to do um, the base pads, uh, I don't know if anybody's seen those. We, I think we have talked about those before. Yeah, the, the textured basing pads that you just do green stuff, molds. Yeah, yeah which I think bases. would be actually pretty hard to do on a uh, round shoulder base instead of the beveled. Um, uh, I'm going to disagree with you again. Really? Okay. Because I've also done that. 
<laughs> it's actually super easy. See, what I was thinking with the texture and where you would have the edges built up and how it would be kind of hard to uh, have that clean cut, using a hole saw would be super easy if you've just laid out your base pad ahead of time, made like a sheet of it, and basically just cut a bunch of hole saws into it. You would have perfect uh, cylinders that you could just go right in. Well, what you do is you actually start off... Um, and it takes a bit of practice to find exactly how much you need, but you get a roll of all of green stuff, and then I'll take a clean palette and put some water on it, and just you push the base down onto yeah. that, and that'll end up giving you, and you can actually shape it to be the right, um, like fill, fitting in properly, and then you can just stamp and go. But you're also talking about something that's going to be a lot lower. I'm thinking some of the base pads that have a crazy amount of detail, like... Uh, uh, no, you can do it with any depth you want. Oh, okay. And then cool. you just trim the sides. Okay, yeah. See, I'm thinking with the whole saw, you wouldn't have to trim the sides. It would just be done. But then you're adding an extra step. True. True. So, the moral of the story is that the, the pads actually work a lot easier than trying to fit something in specifically. Because the know. green stuff is much more... It, it's more malleable than a solid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> At least for the first few hours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you can kind of get them in there. It's a lot easier to do that. Cool. Uh, now, something you guys also mentioned that we kind of glazed over really quick is the colored bases. Yeah, yeah, the clear colored ones. They're, uh, like I said, they're mostly for do uh, telling you which faction you are. The red ones are for guild, the blue ones are for anarchists, etc., etc. But uh, it gives a whole different feel to the model because the rim changes. So you got to actually watch how you paint your model because you can make yeah. it blend in too much or... It could clash when That's you don't want it to too, clash. The black, the black edges kind of tie everything, everything together. It's and they're a neutral right? color, yeah, and they don't detract from anything. That's that why you've got point. to be careful with the color bases because <laughs> they can make it look hideous. And I have not. to say, I really like the color bases. I think they are super cool. I think uh, yep. they're just something different that you haven't seen. Um, Absolutely, and done right, they look fantastic. Yeah, I think they're super cool. Um, so those are available only from Weird, Yes, right? so as far as I know, only Weird yeah. does them, and they have all the colors plus clear. Oh, they have clear, too? Yeah. Who yeah. uses clear? What's you know what? But nobody that I know of. But what I'm saying is, is you could probably do it under coat with an ink on the bottom to give your, your own custom color if you really wanted oh, to. Or if you wanted a clear paint or something. Yeah. Or if you wanted to just take that approach, if you don't really like the idea of there being anything below the actual texture of the base, Yeah. clear... Yeah is nothing. Also, I, I should mention another good use for these clear bases is if you ever get those um, limited edition weird kits that are come into the, the, the transparent, the translucence, these bases can do a lot to keep the whole image that you can have with it as well. Huh. Yeah, and they're also the cheapest way to get scheme markers for the games. Yeah. Uh, win win. I mean, <laughs> I hope that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So what does this, compared to the resin inserts or the pewter inserts, what does a pack of the clear bases run you? Oh, geez, they're not expensive. They're it's the same as any other bases. Yeah. Like, it's, what, like five bucks to get 12, Ten? 15. Makes sense, because yeah. at the end of the day, probably that plastic is clear when they're initially producing it. Yeah. They just add black paint it's, or, or... Yeah, it's, you can get it in the 30, 40, and 50, and it's the I'll same I'll tell price. you how much they are. They are $5. For 10 Yes. No, go. for five. They're a buck a base for these ones, apparently. I don't know. Which size are those? 40 mil. They're, those they're are the bigger ones. Cheap. Those are the bigger yeah. ones. The point is it's cheap. <laughs> yeah. yep. Very cheap. But uh, once you get away from that, you should also look at um, uh, 
there's also different things that can bring your bases out. You're going to have static clumps. You're going to have static grass. You're going to have uh, larger rocks. You're going to have, uh, you can get uh, leaves now. Uh, different times of the year, you can get spring, you can have autumn leaves. There's all sorts of things you can add to your bases now, and there, there's more and more coming out all the time. Little brass details yeah. you can throw on there as well. And, you know, you're thinking, wow, this is a lot of work, but you know what? At the end of the day, it makes the model pop. It makes it look yeah. fantastic if you do it right. And especially in a game like Malifaux, yep. where you are dealing with upper end 20, 30 models. Yep. What the hell? Go crazy. Make the whole yeah. thing. That's too many. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I no. guess it's not like five, like an Imperial Knights, but <laughs> I would argue that twenty Malifaux models is probably less work than five Imperial Knights. I know, I know, exactly. That's the point. <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, so, as for resin manufacturers, uh, is there anything that really ties in? Because I know Malifaux has a very specific aesthetic that's different from a you know, lot of it stuff. really doesn't. You can you're just are just disagreeing with me all over the place today. Well, see, the thing about Malifaux is it's, that it, it's steampunk. It's anything. You've got Victorian streets work. There's the bayou. There's the western. There's the... Mad scientists. Mad scientists. There's the neverborn. Anything outside of Malfo proper could really be anything. So it can be a boat. <laughs> you probably want to stay away from yes, the crazy sci-fi yeah. bases. But even like jungle ruins, if you really want, you could make it You could make it fit. Do you think so? I feel like, I feel like uh, you've got kind of that... 19th century, like, Victorian theme is really a big thing. Right, but there's also, like, the box that Dan has, which is a bunch of Indiana Jones explorers. Oh, fair enough. Really? Like, that's a thing? They're no, relic oh, what are they called? The relic hunters from Guild, where they look like extras from Indiana Jones movies. So, right. like, there's the Arab guy with the sword and the machine gun. There's a big couple of pugilist-looking guys. There's, they, to me, they all look like Indiana Jones extras, so they can be anywhere from, like, um, like, Egypt or any of those locales from the movies, really. Okay, interesting. Makes sense. By and large, I see a lot of people, <clears throat> excuse me, sticking more towards like your cobblestones or your western bases yeah. are probably the safest, which is the aesthetic you're probably thinking yep, of. Yeah, 100%. Um, but the reality I was is. thinking of cobblestones, westerns, and swamps. That's basically what I thought of when you think of Malifaux. That's not yeah. far off. Yeah. Not at all. Well, you didn't think of the creepy orphanage? That, yeah, that too. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. sort of thing, yeah, exactly. <laughs> But uh, I guess one of the things that, as my only critique that I really have of the base inserts from Alpha, other than the, pr the price, they don't work very well if you're doing more than maybe 15 models, because there's only five variants, and they're relatively specific bases. They're very detailed, with a lot of texture and a lot of depth. So you'll notice the repeats? You do notice the repeats a lot quicker. It's one of the reasons I do like those base pads. But there, just, just as a side note for that, you can buy the... Uh, assorted different items packed for each section like the the orphanage has like a set you buy and has like building blocks and a toy teddy bear that you can put on the side so you, so you could just have a gravel base with like one bit on it yeah so you could do this but i mean it help you expand and make yeah each base a little bit different so and it does That's but cool. like tom says once you get past 10 or 15 you're you're starting to feel i feel like in that case i yeah. Especially if you're expanding and trying to do the whole faction, because with Malifos we're going to talk about later, you can take whatever you want. Um, it might be a good idea to use some of those uh, pewter-based inserts as specifically for your more important character models, and then trying to try and spread it out for some of the other less important models. Yeah, that's that a good point sense. too. You could keep the fancy bases like for your masters rather than the crew itself. Yeah, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, just so you don't have any duplicates. Yep. So I think that's really kind of it for that. The the biggest take home message I think is that there are tons of options for buy like to buy out there, and when you're dealing with ten to thirty bases, it's really not that expensive. No. Um, or take the extra time because it's only ten to thirty bases. So do that little bit extra work because I think, um, and I, I think most of you guys agree with me on this, and we've probably said it before. An average paint job with a great base looks amazing. Yes. Uh, an amazing paint job with a shitty base looks, looks shitty. Shitty, really shitty. You gotta you gotta work on your bases. It's it's not fun for a lot of people, but you know what? If you don't do it, it's not going to give you the pop you want with your miniatures. It's it's really not. Yeah, and I think a lot of times too, basing is sort of the thing that you look at last. Uh, basing doesn't have to be. Uh, a huge chore like you don't have to do the weird base inserts that's something that should be mentioned the the balsa wood um insert with a little bit of grass on the side or whatever you're gonna do you can dry brush that you can get it done pretty quick and it'll look good i can see mike twitching already (laughs) (laughs) but i'm talking about you're, you're painting a wood texture you should probably dry brush that or ink the crap out of it if you're gonna go the extreme end. But yeah, yeah, it's it's quick to do and it won't take you that long and it'll look really good. <laughs> Mike is just staring daggers. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, so you know what's funny about this? Tom's the one that has the dry brush bases. You have the balsa wood. This isn't even. I don't think you even have balsa wood bases. So my my no? comment is not directed at you. Okay, yeah, I'm going with the wood. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, way to it up. <laughs> you can show me your wood bases later. Oh, or, man. Uh, or just, just your wood if you want. No. Uh, all right, moving on. <laughs> yeah, okay, so you guys actually played a game of Malifaux last week. And I was yeah. a dick. It didn't go my way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me and Mike played a game. It was my second game of Malifaux that I've played. Uh, I think I've got a handle on the basic mechanics more or less now, the, the cards and that kind of thing. Uh, and I was starting to get into that territory of, oh, I kind of understand the bigger picture and why the bigger picture is kicking my ass. <laughs> uh, so we played some pretty simplistic schemes. They were basically a kill the other guy type setup uh, as we weren't trying to do anything too complex. I think it was. And there was some laying down some schemes to get points as well. Yeah, it was laying down a you scheme. You protect territory and assassinate. Yep. Thank you. And your strat was reckoning. So for the listeners at home, Reckoning is every every turn after the f- first, if you kill two enemy models, you get a point for your strat. Uh, assassinate is if you kill the enemy master, by the um, by the end of turn four, you get three points. Any turn after, you get two. And protect territory is if you have... Uh, you basically want to put a scheme marker six inches away from your deployment zone, and if at the end of the game you've got a friendly model or more friendly models within two inches of that scheme marker than there are enemy models, you score a point. If you declare the scheme, and then you'd score two, so you have two of those out, then you get a third one for free. And that was one of the things that I also uh, wasn't aware of, is declaring a scheme is just telling your opponent what you have at the very beginning of the game. Yeah. Um, Which is kind of cool, where if you don't want to, you can keep it a secret and sort of work uh, to, to confuse your opponent if you so choose. But if you're bold, you can yeah. announce it and get more points. Which I liked. I think I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, one of the things that I'm probably going to sound like a broken record with on this is that re- the scenario, in a lot of ways, reminded me of the ITC scenarios for 40K, where you have sort of that primary, secondary, and tertiary. 
and there's multiple ways to win the game, which is one of the reasons I like the ITC scenario so much. And the same thing I saw in Malifaux, which is really good, in my opinion. I think that was, that's cool, that you don't have to. <laughs> well, in this scenario, you did have to kill the other guy. But <laughs> most times, you wouldn't have to, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so yeah, I played Ten Thunders, and you played... Perdita! Yep, which is... Of a dick. She's guilt. Uh, she's guilt. Yes. I was pretty sure of that, but I didn't want to say that for sure and stick my foot in my mouth. Mm. Um, apparently, the list that I was really excited to play doesn't have a lot of shooting. You brought a lot of shooting, so thanks. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. I, I told him I'm a dick. What else do you want me to do? I'm, I'm well, yeah, because like I'm like, okay, it's going to be a fun game. So I'm just looking at the ten Thunder models, and I was like, all right, so Steve, let's just give you one of everything: your master, your henchman, your totem, and then just so you get a sense of what the different models do. And Mike's just like. Latigo Posse, which admittedly is a very thematic list. It was good. <laughs> it was very good. Um, yeah, I basically was getting shot up pretty bad moving across the uh, the field, which, which at the same time wasn't necessarily a bad thing for teaching the game because it made sense that you probably can pick a better strat and then you would have a much better chance of winning the game even if you were getting your ass kicked. Well, one of the cool things about the game is there is a strat called Frame for Murder, or no, Strat Scheme. Where if they kill one of your models that you declare before, like that you'll secretly declare before the game, you get points. Yeah. And then depending on what level of model it was that killed them, you'll get more points. So like if you get their master to kill that model of yours, you get three victory points. Yeah, which which would be really useful because I was losing pretty bad. Uh, although <laughs> I have to say. I still found the game quite quite fun. And there was a lot of uh, there was a few moments in the game. Uh, that it could have gone my way. Yep, like absolutely. it wasn't. It wasn't where I was just lost from the first turn. No, um, it did feel like a bad matchup. I'm not gonna lie, uh, and it was because <laughs> of the because of the amount of shooting. Um, it felt in a lot of ways like if I was playing a serious close combat army against guard, and I was trying to run through that wall of fire. Um, it gave me that same sort of sense of okay, well, I can still win this game, but it's going to be a slog. If that makes sense. It's really you just got to have that one critical piece get there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you get a you know a assault marine squad into a guard unit, you're probably going to do okay. Uh, even though an assault marine squad isn't that good, same sort of thing. Um, but yeah, there was one particular uh, turn where I really needed initiative and failed the initial uh, uh, draw, burnt a card to try and do it again, and then also failed. So I had my chance, and that really hooped me. It was that turn that things went really bad, and I basically got uh, two models ganged up on me right away, and I just kind of lost right from there. Um, and that, I have to say, I was surprised, because you've always gone on about how much better it is than 40K. I was surprised as to how much that sort of felt, in a lot of ways, like 40K, if yeah. that makes sense. Well, and, and that's just it. And the funny thing for me is, having played a lot of Malfo and gone a little bit deeper into the schemes and strats, yeah. every time I play 40K... It just feels like I wish I was playing Malifaux instead. Because I find the, the terrain rules are very interactive. Yeah, I so, can see that too. The terrain rules were better, for sure. Like, just like when we were playing a game and you could just like Kool-Aid man through a wall. And I'm just like, this makes no sense to me. How are you moving through this obviously closed ruin wall? Well, I rolled 2d6 and <laughs> just plowed right through it. Well, that, that being said, you all are so are a space marine in a lot of cases. And a space marine is like a 600 pound... Ten foot tall Titan. I don't care <laughs> unless you're yelling, "Oh yeah!" When it happens, it's it's bullshit. <laughs> and I have made jokes about 
doing a Blood Angels Kool-Aid Marine army for a long time. Oh, yeah. Instead be... of the chalice, just have them have Kool-Aid jugs would be way yeah. better. <laughs> that would be so awesome. <laughs> just pouring out the Kool-Aid, getting all raged out. <laughs> uh, it'd have to be Blue Lemonade. <laughs> I like it how you went a little too specific. Uh, a little bit. But yeah, I'm no, always a basic cherry Kool-Aid guy myself. That keeping term, it real. That's the thing that I do have to say that there's there's moments where you have those uh, in those games where the initiative trades each time, like in Drop Zone. Uh, there are moments that I like 40k more because the only time that the initiative is going to trade on you like that is at the very beginning of the game. You only get punched in the dick like that once, and it's rare. Whereas, or every time I play against Steve. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I can seize every time, apparently. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's one of the things that I do find. Like, I think it's obviously more fair that it changes each time. As you don't know, you have to be a little more flexible. Uh, flexible. But yeah, 40k only happens once, and it's pretty and easy to mitigate. To be fair, I really do like that rule in a lot of skirmish-based games where it kind of makes sense that the tides of the battle are going to be shifting. If there was a thing like 40k where you roll for first turn every turn... That game would be bananas. But, but yeah. <laughs> let's be straight here. That is a you go, I go. That is not alternating. Yeah. Which alter, which in losing the initiative and alternating is a lot less devastating than in a you go, I go game. Yeah, oh, that is sure. absolutely 100%. true. That's absolutely 100%. true. But just as a general rule, a lot of the game systems that have that initiative mechanic every turn, like that was one of the things I liked about Lord of the Rings when it was still a skirmish game. Was it made sense to me in that case? Yep. And I agree. And like I agree. Legends of the Old West and some of these other games that it was it's a good mechanic for skirmish games. I quite like it because you have that ebb and flow of the battle. Yeah, and the only reason that it felt like it was a bit more than than usual is because you had that group that could act with two. Oh, uh, companion. I companion, would activate yeah. one and I would get to <clears throat> activate another one out. So it was a little bit more devastating than just a you go I go kind of thing. It was a you go twice and then I go <laughs> in a very important moment. Yeah, Misaki kind of got stuck between two dirty Latigos, so. Hey, bud, we're not dirty. Take it's, it back. That sounds vaguely racist, but I'm not sure how. <laughs> or like interracial porny. Something I was kind of going for the porny. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, it, was, yeah. it was really meant to be like really lewd and not racist. So. Uh, either way, I don't know how I feel about that, so. <laughs> But yeah, and no, like their names are Latigo, like that's their last name. It's the, the, they're a family. Yeah, yeah, the Latigo family. Well, that's some messed up shit. They must have some PTSD. <laughs> some of them died in front of their family members. <laughs> All kinds of D, not just the PTS kind. <laughs> Jesus, Tom. No, I have to say I had a lot of fun. It was a good game. Can't believe I just. I said could that. see myself playing more of that. I don't know if I will, but I could see myself playing a little bit more. You know, and I love the game, but it. We are in a place right now where there are so many games, and you do have to pick and choose your battles. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, Infinity's still going to win, because at heart, I like my sci-fi, and that aesthetic just doesn't appeal to me as much. That's fair. Whereas I might end up playing AVPV Battletech, so... Jesus Christ. That'll totally be fair. Have a cloaked predator versus, like, a banshee or something. It'll be cool. You're that kid in the corner that nobody talks to, aren't you? (laughs) I'm just a constant (laughs) troll. (laughs) What do you want from me? No, I do have to say one of the things that I liked about uh, this game is it's very much the more fantasy version of Infinity. It's that skirmish game. It's it has that sort of granular, like more granular feel, where it's it's individual models are doing really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. More um, heroic. More heroic. I like that. That's a nice breath of fresh air because uh, you don't see that 
in 40k, which is the obviously the main game that I play uh, as much. I mean, there definitely are Death Stars, and they're just not quite as fun. <laughs> if that makes sense. Oh, totally. Yeah, either way, probably playing some more Malifaux in the future, but I'll just be boring models. So, You're that guy. Thank you. You're welcome. Appreciate it. <laughs> you make it far too easy, Mike. Uh, hey, you know what you can do? Uh, Stop painting as much. Oh, there, yeah, <laughs> that's not going to happen. You're going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, I resigned myself. I've lost. Okay, it's fine. It's fine. You're going to lose more. Uh, I know, I know. It's okay. I expect nothing less. It's so, going to be embarrassing. Based on that, when you finish up the 10 Thunders, I'll just play with them. Okay. <laughs> just try to make some ones that don't suck so bad. I didn't pick it. He did. He, he, <laughs> like I said, I, I also I also did insist on having a whore on the list. Yeah. That was important. Apparently, that was maybe not the best. She didn't do anything other nope. than just getting shot in the head. <laughs> Which, okay. Probably bad on me. Whereas <laughs> in Legends of the Old West, the Soiled Doves have that cool rule where you can't actually attack them until they've like attacked somebody else. You real? There's actually rules for that in Malifaux too. Really? Yep. Nice. Yeah. Some of the the children have that rule. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. You can't you can't kill children until they try and kill you. Yeah. <laughs> then it's totally fair game. That's pretty fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> you should see Baby Kate. That's that's messed up. Okay. I probably won't now. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I had fun. How about you? Yeah, oh, no. I, I had fun being an asshole. I was good. 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 Fantastic. That's and good. I do have to say the models are amazing. I do really like the 10 Thunder stuff. Yeah. I think those models are just gorgeous. A little fragile, maybe. Holy crap. <laughs> uh, the master that I was playing with, every single time I picked her up, I thought she was just going to explode. And I was, felt terrified I was going to break your model, so... And one of the things that Weird has done in the last few releases, they're not quite as fragile or flimsy. They're actually going out of their way to make things that are not going to break right away. Because some of those, um, from that guild box that I have too, some of them suffer from that. Like the the master has like a big whip that's kind of like coiling around him and stuff. And it's like a millimeter thick. And it's like, that's this is going to break before I get it like primed. Yeah. Like it is, yeah. yeah <laughs> some of them cool. are definitely a little bit nerve wracking. They look, that's the thing them. is they look very cool. And, and they're incredibly dynamic, too. Yeah, yeah. That, that uh, I can't remember the name of the master I was playing with. Misaki. Misaki. Not Mr. Miyagi. I gotta remember that. That's right. Really? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> her pose, where she's, like, doing the backwards kick over her own head, is ridiculous, and that's pretty cool. So I like that a lot. Yeah, and there, I, I've always described Malifaux as a game that appeals more to a hobbyist than a gamer. Because the models are more intricate, they do take more effort to put together, and they do kind of beg you to paint them a little bit nicer as well. Yep, I can see that. That makes sense. You're kind of selling me on this now a little bit, but I don't know what I... No, take your time. Like, go through your infinity phase, and when you want to play a real game, we got Malifaux waiting for you. Oh, I feel like you're maybe making a mistake. You just said it was more of a hobbyist game. <laughs> infinity is definitely a gamer's game. That, that <laughs> rule set is really good. Um... Anyways, that's a different different topic entirely. Different topic, different yep, absolutely. Uh, so Speaking moving on. of different topics. <laughs> um, so the last thing we're going to talk about today is there's some games where you need to mark um, arcs for facing on the basis of the models that you're using. So most notably would be War Machine, and you guys were telling me before we started recording that Infinity is the same way. Yes. Yes. Where in both of those game systems you have 180 degree, basically the front half of the base is their... Where you're drawing line of sight. Absolutely. 
Yeah, the with Infinity, it's a little different. It's not really required that you mark off your bases. But you you have to kind of state that the way he's looking is the forward point. Yeah. You go from there. So it's a little looser than it is right now. But I think uh, Privateer Press has been around a little longer, and they had to stiffen up the rules and make it this is the way it is. So Well, and to be totally fair, um, that's not a requirement from Privateer Press. Oh, it isn't? That's a community initiative that's moved forward to Arkoff bases. Oh, okay. Because it just avoids that whole Oh, yeah, no, no, I, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying... It doesn't see. It isn't as hardcore in the Infinity. I haven't seen as much. Yeah, because I think in the uh, somewhere in the Infinity book it talks about mar- um, marking off across the shoulders. Yeah, um, which I could see making a little more sense with Infinity because most of the models are humanoid, whereas in War Machine you've got some pretty odd jacks and some a little bit tougher to do that yeah. kind of marking. And um, and the community for War Machine, I, I haven't played enough Infinity. I don't know exactly um, where the community's at for any of the metas, but War Machine. There are some very competitive War Machine players, and the real movement right now, and you see it in the products that are being made for War Machine, is reducing ambiguity and having clean play at all costs. So if you are winning or losing, it's not going to be on, was this within range, wasn't this within range, was this front arc, was this back arc? Yeah, it's not. They take those out of the game. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's one of the things, too, with with Infinity. Uh, You have all the arrows. You're rarely going to be... uh, out of arc like usually the arc issue comes in with jump troops yeah. and things that can end up behind you and very specifically be pl- be placed behind you and where you're going to be like hey do you agree that this is behind your model like it's it's pretty easy just to move the drop template and then you're good right yeah so there's not as much ambiguity there but back to the original topic of actually how you mark off these bases um i've seen the most com- this is what i've seen that is the most common i don't think this is the best is somebody takes a paintbrush and marks a white line and it's squiggly, and you can see through the white paint, and it's not particularly that clean on the base. How would you guys do a better job? Um, okay, well, we'll talk about this one first, and then we'll talk about my personal pet peeve in the matter. Okay, afterwards. no, your per- pet peeve, because I don't like... I That was my pet peeve, is the painted line, because there's so many easier ways to do that. So what's your pet peeve? Um, so this goes back a little bit. There's, there's, sorry, there's a bit of backstory here. When you're For <laughs> me, when it comes to playing miniature games... Um, the top of the base is where you should start having your focus up from there. And anything on the rim should not be taking your, your eyesight away from the model. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, um, It just makes sense in so many ways. Um, and I see way too many armies that have two bright colors that don't even match 50-50 marking off the base. Yeah, that is, that's a good point where you've got like navy blue and then like an orange. And you're like, oh, I, I wish it was navy blue and orange. I see like snot green and shining gold. Okay, so instead oh. of having a little notch for the dividing line of the arcs, you see the entire yeah. front half of the base is a bright, shiny color that you can't miss. That's a little bit strong. No, not <laughs> even, but and then the other half is a different bright, shiny color that you can't even miss. Ugh. I mean, it, again, it definitely takes the ambiguity out of it. Well, maybe not if it's red and green, because you could be colorblind or whatever. But <laughs> red, green, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Nathan's like, why did you just paint your rims brown? That's confusing. But uh, <laughs> but no, so, so the full-on solid color, half and half, I can see that being pretty striking and potentially distracting from the model very quickly. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're doing a painting competition model, you would probably not do that. Um, but if you are going to mark off the edges of the base... Uh, I think the personally the easiest way to do it is when you're actually priming the model 
and you've got it at the stage, and you've got your white and your black primer, is you just take the base and two pieces of tape, and you just spray it. Because you've got, probably you haven't painted the actual base texture yet. If you just spray it with two little white edges and a line across the top, you can repaint the top of the I think actually, instead of tape, maybe pinstriping, uh, what is it? Is it called tape as well? Pinstriping? They use the word pinstriping, but basically yeah, it's, the vinyl it's, tape. Thinner. it's thinner. Yep. It's vinyl. It'll work the same way, and it'll give you a nice... Yeah, so you could, for example, like you'd prime the base white, put yeah. a little bit of the masking tape where the white line is going to be, cover that up, and yeah. then prime the rest black. Yeah. So when you peel the tape off, you're left with a nice, clean, straight white line. Yes, yeah. absolutely. We're just saying that masking tape, you're gonna have, you're, you're, it's not going to be skinny enough. You're going to have to cut it. And you, yeah, the, and you're well, not, might the vinyl, not the vinyl masking tape. There, there's different names for it, yeah. but it is sometimes it is called masking as a technique. Okay, yeah. but it's not like the one inch masking tape. You're obviously yeah. getting like Testers makes it, for example. Yeah, where it's very thin. You can get it in like a couple of millimeter or like one sixteenth or yep. one eighth. It's yeah, even, a lot of even the Tester stuff is still pretty thick. You'd probably want to go to like an actual uh, uh, paint shop and get the the vinyl tape that's like the two mil. That would probably but be what I'm pretty need. sure I have one sixteenth Testers vinyl tape. Really? Yeah. 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 You're kidding it's, me, because I've only ever seen no, testers no. make the, the actual masking tape. Oh, no, no, they have the other ones. You can, really? get, you can get a multi-pack of the testers stuff where it's like quarter-inch, like um, one-eighth-inch, one-sixteenth, that sort of thing. And it is, it is to be frank, frank, a little bit more expensive than you would expect. Like, I think the, pack, like 20 of, bucks or the pack of like three or four different sizes I got from Michael's, I believe, where it was regular price, like $20, but everything at Michael's, you just go in with the coupon, right? It's always 50% off. Yeah. Yeah. So for 10 bucks, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, I usually pick that stuff up in an automotive paint supply because all oh. the guys that are doing airbrushing on hoods for flames, that kind of thing, they have that by the, like, bulk yep. metric. And they're probably never going to need an eighth of an inch or a sixteenth yeah. of an inch. Well, you'd be surprised for a lot of the airbrush guys, they do have a lot of that. Yeah. And it's flexible oh. vinyl tape, really easy to use. Anyways, that's a different topic. Yeah, it's, there's a good chance it is very similar, if not the it same Probably product. is the same thing. I just didn't know Tester <laughs> made it. But the yep. point of all of this was, it's straight. It's factory straight. It's not a squiggle. Yeah. It's not a slant. Yeah. This this is the biggest thing. Is If you have a crooked line, you think, ah, nobody will notice. Guess what? Just about everybody will notice. Yeah, the other thing about it, too, is if you're doing white over black, do it with spray paint. You're painting it with a brush. It's going to take you forever. Before you start, think, just plan a little bit before you put the model on the base. Do it with spray paint. It'll take you no time at all. It'll be a nice finish. It'll look good. You're done. Now, I do have, if you don't want to do that, the way I've done mine is it's three steps. I start with um, Crixbane Highlight, and then I do a thinner Menoth White. And then I do a very thin, like, white-white, like, even thinner. So you get a yeah. little bit of a gradient on it. And that way you're also, it gives you the opportunity to clean it up as you go, and it, and now, you, do you get more coverage. Do you mask? No. Really? Because I could not do that. I could not paint a straight line like that. I would do that same technique, but my first base coat would be with tape. Because yeah. for myself, I know that I would just go. That would There's another way around thin. that, though. Hmm. I made a I made a jig for all my bases. So the base fits in the side, and on the side of the jig is two lines where you can 180 degrees apart. You just take a little exacto and you score two lines, and then you go to the other side and you score two lines on the jig. You're and done. Now you have a groove. Now you have a groove. You don't need masking tape if you, unless yeah, you're you that, that bad that you can't paint without a groove. Then well, I can't. Yeah, no, that would work that too. That would work just fine. <laughs> But not all us are machinists. <laughs> and very uh, good at making shapes. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I actually really like that. That's that's pretty cool. Um, 
So when you're you highlight basically up to a white, have you seen anybody do base facings that are different colors that still look good? Yeah. Um, the for me the biggest rule with it is. Whatever you do, you want to make it as subtle as possible or as unobtrusive. The reason I go with yeah. white is that it doesn't offset my color scheme at all. Yeah, it's a neutral color. Like I also like white because, to me, it looks almost... It reminds me of a video game aiming radical. Like, that sort of white crosshairs a lot of video sure. games have. It feels more like a, a gaming component, less than an mm. actual part of the model, which is what you're talking about being it not subtle. Yeah, exactly. Or being subtle. <laughs> so, you want it to be subtle. I have seen... Some guys that will do like a black back and then kind of a crazy gradient across the 180, uh, like the front half of the base, mm-hmm. um, through a complementary color to their color scheme, and like with lots of blending to get from one side to the other. So it's almost like it's that could be cool I, if it's done right. It can yeah. be pretty cool, but it's one of those things where nine times out of ten, it's probably not going to be done right. So and it's so much more work. I if also you are feel like you could be, make that look like almost like a loading symbol, you know, where they have like the, <laughs> yeah. the, the, like the bright color, circle, the bright color on one end and then bright color on the other side over here. So it sort of looks like it's rotating. I feel like you could make that look really cool. I think the main thing to keep in mind is if you're doing the gradient thing, you still need to have on the actual dividing line, it should be black on one side and then the brightest part of the color immediately on the other side of that black line. Yeah. You need that sharp edge so you can tell clearly where the edge is. It shouldn't be like bright in the front and then fading to black where the sides are where the line would be like yeah. you need to have the maximum contrast where that line is and actually interestingly one of the coolest things that i've ever seen for it it was on it was on i think it was a rackham mini back in the day okay and so it was not necessarily a gaming piece because nobody played confrontation <laughs> true. i think they came with rules but they're probably in french for starters yeah so that that's a problem happen. yeah but uh, so somebody had painted and this base back. actually where it was they freehanded on a checker pattern for the entire like front of the base, and then they left it with that stark maximum contrast along the edge. Then it faded to black in the front, so it was like you had that combination of a really Whoa. cool texture and the gradients and everything, and it looked just amazing. It might have even been like a weathered black and white checker pattern, which as we know I quite enjoy with my dark elder. So if you really enjoy. You know, things like Harlequins. You can paint your bases like Harlequins if you want. <laughs> and torture yourself, because you'll spend more time on that stupid checker pattern than the rest of the model. Unless it, it you do really the tape freaking right. cool. You can actually do masking tape. There's a really quick trick to do checkers with masking tape. But it's a different topic. <laughs> yeah. um, but I kind of guess, for me, going back to the, the main point here, is that you don't want to... Whatever you do, and whatever makes you happiest... Try to avoid something that'll take attention away from the model itself. Yeah. And I don't know if we ever mentioned this on the podcast before, but there was, um, when I was at the Golden Demon way back when, one of the things that was a big difference between my model and the model that came in second was that on mine, I had an absolute edge of my base. Like, nothing went down along the side. And the one of the, mo- the model that came in second, actually, there was some over overhang onto the side and they kind of like cut out the bevel and had some ooze kind of going down Mm -hmm. and the judges really didn't like that because for them much like for me the world doesn't exist beyond the top of your base that's just there to give you some depth to actually grab the model by the base it's not part of it and picking and choosing which parts would be part of the model um, and then ignoring the rest of it is really awkward so I think I think what it was was half the issue with that model too was I believe the guy 
painted the rim of the base like gray. The guy that came yeah. in second, so it was actually a gray rim on the outside of the base that then had liquid dripping out of the pipe onto the gray. And because it was transparent fluid, you could see the gray through it. And it was just, it was distracting. It was a curious choice. So hmm. interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I do kind of like that uh, that technique as well. Where occasionally with some of those diorama pieces, where they have like very specifically, it is a diorama. It's about the scenery. They have kind of like the mini diorama going on underground and stuff. But for gaming pieces, I like having just a clean, clean minimalist black edge as well. Yeah, I used to argue the uh, the goblin green lip. I kind of agree. I've moved to the to agreeing with you guys. I think the black uh, lip on the base is the way to go. Um, black just goes with everything. Yeah, it does. Almost, whatever, <laughs> almost table, everything. Whatever table you're playing on, it will still look okay. Even if you're playing on a snow table, that's exactly the contrasting color with black. It'll still be okay. It's not the end of the world. It will. It won't be bizarre. It's better than if you had a green base on a snow table. Yeah, the only person I've ever been like, yeah, okay do what you want was Mike because he didn't play 40k outside of his, his apartment and he had a snow table and so they all had white rims but it's yes it, it was they were always being played on that board and there was never anything beyond yes that. that's true and I'll buy that if you are just playing on this <laughs> one table and nothing else do whatever the fuck you want to and make I it will, match I will make the, uh, the point too that in that realm to defend you Mike black and white are your two colors that do go with everything <laughs> no, white, it's it's, white is <laughs> it was the choice that I had an aesthetic reason why I did it. Yeah, that makes sense. That's all. Yep. Yep. And if you, but if it was a competition piece, you know what? It would have a black room. And uh, if you've ever seen Mike's snow table, it's, it's worth uh, it's worth having the models all match. It's a pretty cool table. Yep, that's a pretty cool effect. Um, so I guess one other thing I meant to mention as well. Um, so for Malifaux again, for Malifaux you don't need to put any of those. Like line of sight arc markers, right? No, nope. correct. Um, have you seen anybody use those clear bases for? I was thinking these for War Machine. Like, is there any different techniques for marking lines on a transparent base that you would uh, want to mention? Honestly, I'd just max mask half off and then prime. Like, I would take that that masking tape and so I'd leave. Oh, half that of would the work. So you could have your colored half first forward. That would work, I guess. Yeah. So you'd have a primed <laughs> back and a translucent forward. I don't know if I would do that. I probably I think that would look a little weird with like the. Glow it it would front. depend on the color. Like I would do that yeah. with the clear or something. Maybe. I still think that would be odd. I would, I would probably like. If I'm thinking about the red here. I would probably not do white over that because without doing about a million coats, you would probably have that or, show up pink. Better yet, just mask mask off the actual, the like the the, the lines and then yeah. prime it normally. So you've got these glowy red lines. Red lines that would look cool. I could hmm. see that. I would do that. Hmm. That's neat. Because then you're not actually painting it, and you're still getting it. And just don't screw it up, because good luck unpainting primer on clear plastic. Yeah, also, so you know what else you do? Okay, I've got a really good idea. You could also take that those same clear bases, mask that off so it's clearly delineated, and then do a little bit of OSL around those. That could look kind of cool. The hard part would be with the OSL is making it match the oh, yeah. translucent, where <laughs> it wouldn't be lighter than the translucent. Because the translucents are pretty dark. I'm thinking you just did a little bit of glow, like some light was bleeding through the translucency. Like if you did like those uh, the green tealy bases that they have, and did um, uh, why can't I think of Incubi Darkness? Is that right? Are the same version in P3 colors? Cold black. black, Thank you. Did a little bit of cold black with a little bit of white mixed in. I think you would not overpower that uh, 
green, but you would still have that bleeding through a little bit. Look pretty cool. I think someone needs to try this. I'm actually thinking about it. If it wasn't for the <laughs> fact, if it wasn't for the fact that my cephalics are going to be on secret weapon bases, I would yeah. be totally doing that. Yeah, that could be pretty cool. I'm thinking about uh, doing that for the only army that I have. That kind of I might try that maybe with my with the cock with the cock. Maybe I'll do up a model. Well, and the beauty is that the those bases aren't that expensive. They're really not. That's what I'm thinking. I want to do like a. Uh, I had some designs to do some. To have some orange ones, Steve. I, exactly, and I want to do that orange. Um, but the other thing is, the bases that I originally was going to do for those guys was the clockwork bases yeah. from a. I can't remember which company it was, and they were crazy expensive. Yeah, like unreasonable. So I just immediately dropped that. This could be kind of a good middle ground if I could pick up like a few brass, um, like watch pieces, like broken watch bits. I think you can buy like baggies of gears and watch pieces from Hassle-Free Miniatures in their converting section. It's just like it's just like random steampunk brass shit from like yeah from <laughs> watches and stuff. So it's brass. Shit. That's probably exactly what it's called. But because uh, <laughs> it's awesome. got a sense of humor, a little bit. But no, I, I can't remember what it's actually called. But it is just a bag of little gears and watch parts and mm. stuff like that, which is quite easy for just throwing some on a base and having a little like hint of the steampunky shit. It'd be really interesting just to like dump like a pile of it on there and super glue. Yeah, and actually, like, have it's a, already metal. You don't even need to paint it. Just go over the over top entirely with just broken like gears. Like you want your steampunk here? It is <laughs> actually you know where you could go and probably find some on the cheap uh. scrapbooking stores. You think so? Yeah, because they have a lot of thematic. Um, they call them like tokens or whatever that'll go on pages, and I would imagine because steampunk is so in vogue right now, they probably have hmm, gears of the yin yang, and they'd be super cheap. Could be fun to do those bases and just be a little little ridiculous with them. Yeah. Okay, this is maybe uh, another episode. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, basically. Right. Mm. Oh, that, was, that was pretty weak, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I could detect that little bit of extra emphasis there. Oh. Yep. I never let a pun sit. <laughs> All right. Well, we should probably move on to the final bit, which is upcoming events. Absolutely. So I think the... Uh, you actually, this will be going on. Ward's going to be off in Vancouver playing at the Wet Coast GT in his X-Wing uh, tournament. Did you abandon so, him, Steve? Yeah, they never got back to me. I don't know if I had the army that I wanted to play is legal. They will not respond to my posts. Oh. Um, so, not going. Um, anyways, after that, on that glowing endorsement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, out of the basements on July 11th and 12th. Uh, then after that, there's X-Wing Regionals in Saskatoon on July 18th. Yep. Uh, the Edmonton Warhammer League Open, August 14th, 15th, and 16th, apparently. So there's, I guess, some Friday night events going on. We'll check, uh, check them out for a little bit more on that. Uh, Drop Zone Commander Tournament, which I cannot remember where that's at. All-Star Funny Games. All-Star, thank you. Or no, All-Star Collectibles. That's yes. Mission Funny. Too many stores in this city. Yeah, I know. We're, we're, <laughs> really? You think that's, that's an a, issue? That's not really a problem. That's, that's an issue? Uh, Drop Zone Commander Tournament, so I'm going to try and make it to that one. Get that's, the fuck out. That's my goal. I think it's 1,500 points. No. It's what is 1, it? 1,000 points. You should be able oh, to. Oh, I can totally points. do that. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> and then there's an End Times event, August 29th and 30th. Ward has in here, and I don't know what that is. That it's being is... run by Ryan Boyd. Yep. And I believe it is a combination bit swap and kind of, I don't know if it's a mega battle, but it's a very narrative-oriented Warhammer fantasy event that yes. I believe is following the four books. It's to see who would really win. Oh, okay. I feel like that's 
actually going to be really cool. Ryan's uh, hugely into uh, Warhammer Fantasy. He's done some amazing narrative campaigns previously. I have his. Uh, I have a Blood for the Blood God mug from one of his campaigns. I have the Dead Don't Drink shot glass because I lost real bad in one campaign. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so he does a good job. He really likes fantasy, and with the all the changes coming up, he's probably going to want to send it out with a bang, so it could be a lot of fun. Yeah, that dude has done so much work for campaigns over the years, yeah. so I guarantee it's going to be a fun and event. Great stuff, great yeah. stuff. So, and so August 29th and thirtieth again for Ryan's End Times event. I'm not mm-hmm. sure where the location is for that one either. Yeah, we'll I find feel out like it might be the Alder Grove. Yeah, I think it might be the same place as Onslaught is actually. Oh, cool! That would be convenient. His word could tell you all that all about that if he were here. Mm-hmm. Dumped us, man. Or he That's couldn't okay. reach the mic. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it should be fun. Um, I'm, you know, I'd still like to go to the White Coast GT if they make it back to me. I might book a flight last minute, but we'll see. And when is that one again? That's this weekend. This would be July third oh. and fourth. I think it is. Yeah, uh, that's coming up. That's okay. the Saturday night, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's it's honestly in in three days. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Then. Yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah, that seems like an episode. Until next time, I'm Tom. I'm Dan. I'm Mike. And I'm Steve. And paint your fucking bases properly. And your models. You guys gotta paint some models. Come on. Okay, we'll, we'll do it next time. <laughs> <laughs>